welcome to episode five of Stilettos and Stouts. My name is Christy and I am your host and I'm here with Ryan, my lovely co-host. Ryan, how are you doing today? Ooh, lovely. I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> as, as we briefly discussed before, I was uh, lucky enough to be a guest of the Devils at last night's overtime winning game, which did involve free alcohol. So it's been a rough day for me, but here we are and we're going to do another great episode for everybody. You're such a trooper. So <laughs> there's two topics that I want to talk about today. The first is Jack Hughes is having a phenomenal season. Like Jack Hughes has arrived. Unreal. Unreal. And with that, there is a question of, is Hughes playing himself into the heart trophy conversation? And I think there's two things to note here. The first is just because you're in the conversation does not mean you're going to win (laughs) Mm -hmm. or even be a finalist. Because as I previously said, last year was my first year voting for the NHL awards. And the one thing that I did not realize was when you do your ballot, you have to give a top five for every category. Really? Yes. It's not top three. It's top five. So even if Chad Hughes is not going to win, when I mentioned about him being in the conversation, it's more, is Jack, should Jack's name pop up on the top five? His name should be on almost everybody's ballot, I would assume at this point. Uh, he's going to run into the immovable object that is Connor McDavid this year. Um, so, uh, I mean, it, aside from Connor McDavid's year, you have a legitimate argument for, for Jack playing himself right into Hart Trophy conversation. But he absolutely deserves to be mentioned and should be on pretty much everybody's ballot in some form. And I think what's interesting too is what I, what the other thing that I learned is the awards are really up for interpretation. I think when you think of the heart trophy and I actually found that there were two different definitions online, depending on where you looked, one definition was the MVP of the season. The other one, which was on NHL.com was the player judged most valuable to their team. I personally think those two def- like there's a difference between how those two yeah. things are worded. Absolutely. And if you're going to talk about the MVP of the regular season, obviously it's Connor McDavid. The man has 88 points in 48 games. Like nobody yeah, is coming uh, close to that. It's unreal. <laughs> it's unheard of. Yeah. And maybe Connor Bedard can come in and maybe challenge him for the next couple of years. But like to that definition, Connor McDavid is a clear runaway. But for me, my interpretation of the most the most valuable to their team, yes, Connor McDavid is obviously valuable to the Oilers. Oh, yeah. Duh. But look at what Miko Rantanen did in Colorado these past few months. Colorado had so many injuries, and Miko Rantanen single-handedly, like, carried that team up until this point now that, you know, until McKin- McKinnon came back. He has 32 goals. The next best is 15. Like that to me is a player that was very important to their team. They're in a playoff spot right now, really because of Miko Rannan. You can make the same argument with Robertson down in Dallas. He has 32 goals. The next best is 19. Like those are players that are standouts on their team. Kind of how Taylor Hall was with the Devils. Mm -hmm. There was no Taylor Hall. Devils most likely were not making the postseason that year. Oh, good Lord, no. And that's, I think, a different way to look at the awards than just who the MVP is of the regular of the regular season. Yeah, and you can also make a very legitimate argument that if you take Jack Hughes off this Devils team, they are average at best. 
Yeah. I mean, so you can look at it from that standpoint too, right? Like Jack's putting up points. He's he's scoring at a rate. I believe he's on pace for 52 goals this mm-hmm. year uh, at the moment, which, you know, two years ago, we didn't think he was going to be a 40, 50 goal scorer. We thought he was going to be a 30 goal scorer with outrageous assist numbers and be a facilitator. So, um, you know, whether it's the uh, upper body strength or whatever it is, it, it's clearly there for him. Um, but if you take him off this team, the Devils are in a world of hurt. And as we're recording this, Jack is eighth best in goal scored and okay. ninth in most points earned this season yeah. in the league. Like the kids making it, I mean, in that pass yesterday. Oh, that was right in front of me. I was right on that side of the ice on those boards, 11 rows up. And uh, I just saw him go down and I immediately started screaming. There's got to be some kind of a penalty. And so I was already standing up and then Dougie fired that in and we, the whole place went nuts. It was, that insane. was lots of fun. It was insane. Like you don't even know at that point, that skill lock combination of the two, it was just wild to watch. Yeah. I had to see that on, uh, on the highlights. I always like to watch the highlights when I get home from a game. It's like this weird thing that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had no idea that's what he did. Uh, until I saw it on TV. It was just unbelievable. Well, I will say in the media room, when that happened, everyone was like, wait, where's the replay? <laughs> like we all <laughs> see a replay of what actually just happened because it was just an insanity. Oh yeah, that was um, that was one of the more fun games I've been to in a long time. Uh, so, you know, hopefully the home games can stay that exciting because it's been a night and day home and road for them this year. It really has, but it... It's interesting to watch the team. And actually, this is a really good segue into the next topic that I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Is I still say that when you look at the roster, and you and I know because we've had conversations, I actually did a poll when Palat was supposed to come back from injury. And I said, Would you rather see Palat with Nico Fisher or Jack Hughes? And the majority said Jack Hughes. I am 100% on board with him remaining with Nico. And Jesper, I think that line when they continue to build chemistry is going to be a really great top line. Yeah, and that's a well balanced line too. You've got kind of everybody does a thing on that line. You know, having those guys that that can do all of their own jobs significantly well that matters. You know, it's not like a line of a bunch of scorers that are all going to want the puck. Everybody's going to do their thing to make the success of that line happen. Right, and would you agree? Because the one thing that I noticed when I watch is the third line and kind of for a majority of the season has kind of been like the Island of Misfit Toys. It's just, yeah, it really has. It's been the players that really just don't fit in anywhere else. And that's who what's making up the third line for New Jersey, whether it's Boquist, Mercer, Sharon Govich, Zetterland, Holt. Like it's just been kind of, it really is the Island of Misfit Toys. Yeah. And so when, when uh, Hall was the trade for Hall happened, Everyone assumed, like I said, that he was going to kind of be the anchor on the third line. And then you'll have whatever wingers with him. Obviously, the coaching staff had different opinions, and Hall is where he is. So for me, I don't really see an anchor on that third line. No, that third line is a little weird at the moment. Um, I think the practice combinations today Mm -hmm. uh, had Hall down as the 3C which makes a lot more sense. I believe it was Sharon Govich and Zetterland skating with Hughes, mm-hmm. uh, which is, Zetterland is an interesting choice there, but I'd like to see Mercer and Sharon Govich play more with Jack. Uh, we've talked about that a bunch. 
but yeah, I mean, you know, it, and, and if you're able to plug in a top six forward, that pushes somebody down the lineup, you know, in a lot of ways, you can kill two birds at one stone if you do make a big trade, um, which everybody will not shut up about every second of every day. Right. And when I was, because I'm doing uh, an article, it should be out over the next two days. But it's like a mm -hmm. massive article of kind of where the devils are at for the trade deadline. You have like, I, I go through everything that you could possibly imagine with this team and what can be expected over the next few months and kind of setting the stage. And I still say, a player like Max Domi to kind of go into that third line makes sense to me. It just does. Yeah. When I say that, that does not mean, as I got comments on Twitter today, that I am not on the Timo Meyer train. They're two separate things. And yeah. some teams make more than one move at the trade deadline. Going, yeah. going to Timo Meyer and your point, it makes sense. Everyone knows that Timo Meyer to New Jersey makes sense. I don't think, I think it would be hard to find somebody in the NHL that would not agree that on paper, it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's the logical link up in general, right? You've got the Swiss connection. You have um, quite honestly, one of the deeper prospect pools in the NHL. Um, and you've proven that the guys you draft pan out at the NHL level generally. Um, but everybody, everybody needs to calm down. Um, there's good, this is, there's going to be a lot of feet in the water for him and it really could drive the price up to a point where it's not worth paying. And you have to be careful about that. Well, and I think too, cause I was looking online and I was looking at other articles and comments and what people were like their input and what a trade for Meyer can look like mm -hmm. and in order to get somebody of that caliber you need to give something up yeah absolutely. that you're not, not going to want to give up because if I'm San Jose and I think we can all thank God that I am not a general manager but you have to figure out first is San Jose in a rebuild or a retool because we've kind of figured out that those are two different things are they yeah. just tweaking and they want younger players that can go into the NH that have proven they can be like an NHL caliber player or do they want prospects and drafts to start literally from scratch and I work think, their way out? I think for them that's going to go the way Eric Carlson's no movement clause goes to be honest with you if they can talk him into moving that uh, or waiving that to go to the right situation um, then then it's a different animal so I, I, I don't think they know yet to be honest I, with you. And this is actually, you're making my point, is when I talk to somebody about it, there's so many factors with a team yeah. higher trade that I don't think, like a Max Domi trade or like an Anthony Duclair trade, it just on the outside looks like an easier trade to accomplish than Timo Meyer. Oh, because yeah. Timo's the big fish. Yeah. And the big thing with him, too, is that depending on where San Jose feels their team is, are they going to are they going to want a Dawson Mercer? Because I would say that is the piece that they are going to want because he's um, young. He's proven that he could play in the NHL, but he's still young. Yeah. I don't know about that one. I'd be very comfortable giving up. Um, if you can get them to take next year's first, that's that ideal. I'd like to keep this. This draft is very deep. Your every first round pick is going to be decent this year. Um, but if, if it's, if it's a first Holtz and 
pretty much anybody playing in Utica, not named Holt, not named uh, Nemitz or Hughes. Uh, I, I, I think you're starting to get there. And if it involves two people from Utica, not named uh, Nemitz or Hughes, then you talk about it. Um, but I, I, I would like to try to avoid giving up somebody like Dawson Mercer. And the other thing is too, is you have proven talent. Timo Meyer is a proven talent in yeah. all the ways. He's physical. He can shoot. He has size. He's a top six player in the league on any team. Then you have an Alexander Holtz. He's not proven. No. no and he's not. do you really want to give up? Are you going to give up a proven player, a proven high-end player for players that have not proved themselves at the NHL level? No, that's a super fair point. Um, and that's where it starts to get difficult from the devil's end of it, right? So um, those are conversations you really have to have. Uh, how important are pieces going out of your locker room going to affect the locker room? Uh, like I, I would also be able to, I'd throw in uh, Zetterland, Boquist, uh, you know, we can talk about some other guys at the NHL level. Like I, I would, I would move Sharon Govich. I wouldn't have too much of a problem moving him along that um, there's something about Dawson Mercer that getting rid of him just scares me a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like he can really turn into a good, good NHL player. Um, and, and for that matter, continuity is good. This team seems to like each other. I think PK Subban was talking about that uh, in all the devil's broadcasts that he's done this year, that he knows these players and he's like, this team at least the people he played with last year, they absolutely love each other. It's a tight group. Um, so it's it's good to see that and hear that. Uh, so I would, again, man, I would get sketchy about that. And I think the other thing that I was looking up um, when it comes to Timo Meyer is the, the allegedly the San Jose Sharks want three first rounders for Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson is 32 years old has four years left on his contract, 11.5 million annual average. And besides this year, this breakout, you know, like resurgence on breakout resurgence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hasn't lived up to the money. No, he hasn't at all. So if you want that for Carlson, in my mind, Timo Meyer is the player you're going to get the most of because Timo Meyer has the most to offer another team. Right now he's 26. He'll be 27 at the start of next year. Like, and he's been the more consistent player between him and Carlson. Oh, for sure. So if Absolutely. you're not that for Carlson, what is your asking price for a team, like for a Timo Meyer trade? I mean, what you're asking and what you're going to get are going to be two different things, right? Like mm -hmm. the, you always start your negotiations with like, let's throw it against the wall and see if they say yes to it. Um, so it's going to get worked down. I think really what the devils should be worried about if Timo Meyer is the guy they want and, and they have somehow talked to Nico and Nico's been like, go get him. I want him. Right. Cause he's your captain. Like that, that conversations like that absolutely happen in sports. Um, then you're going to run into a situation where a lot of other people are going to be trying to get him. You know, you keep hearing about the Rangers, um, there's going to be lots of people and rivals going after him right now. Like at what point are you cool with saying, you know what? No. And having him go somewhere else. Uh, it, it, this is, this is one of the trickier trade pieces that I've seen in a long, long time. 
Uh, and quite frankly, it's really interesting to see what they're going to do because it, it seems like they're definitely going to move him. Although I would argue they could get more for him if they wait until the summer. Um, but they're going to move him now, it, se- it seems like. I think the only way that he doesn't move is if for some reason, somehow, they get rid of Carlson and Carlson's contract or a majority of Carlson's contract. I would assume they'd have to eat some of it. That's the only way I could see them maybe keeping him. Yeah, and but but to what we talked about earlier, if you move Carlson, is that you saying complete rebuild and you're moving Meyer anyway? Because I yeah. mean, if you think about it, if if they're able to move Carlson and you know not retain an ungodly amount of money, you could you're going to get some nice pieces for that. Someone's going to give you good things for him. Whether it's three firsts, I would highly doubt that. But someone's going to give you stuff that you're going to like. Um, and so all of a sudden, now you've moved two of the top trade deadline pieces and just have a bundle of assets going into a very deep draft. You know, they they could put themselves in a position where their rebuild is like three years, two years. You know what I mean? Instead of just like a constant retooling in the middle. That, that's the scariest place to be in any sport is just middle of the road meh. Because your draft pick is never good enough to get you a generational player that's a guarantee. And you barely make the playoffs or you barely miss the playoffs all the time. Like, that's the worst place to be. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that Timo is, again, makes sense. He makes all the sense in the world for New Jersey. But I think that there's a lot of factors that maybe some don't realize, like, how in-depth it is. And I think, too, what's interesting, and even when you talk about Carlson – Let's talk about another Carlson. You have William Carlson. Mm-hmm. He was in Columbus and did not do well before the expansion draft to Vegas. I think he had maybe like 13 points or something like that. Did not have a good year. He goes to Vegas and now he's amazing. I think he had what, 82 points like that, that inaugural season. It was like insane. The player that he became in a different environment. And that's always kind of the risk you have too is, you know, from the outside, you might look at it and say, this player's not performing well, why would you want them? But in the right system, in the right environment, change of scenery, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, He's a good example of that that I didn't really think of, where he really just did explode when he left Columbus. Now, he could also be leaving Ohio, you know, who knows? But um, yeah, it's... It's going to get tricky coming up here. You're going to need to do something. You know, it, you don't get you don't get a lot of kicks at the can mm-hmm. in sports, right? You, it, and when when they were on that winning streak in the beginning of the year, it's like, all right, let's wait, see what happens, see how they play, see how they play. Turns out this team's real good, and they might actually be able to make a deep playoff run. So at that point, you know, you're getting pushed further and further towards you got to do something. Um, and more people may become available as the deadline gets closer. Um, you know, teams are going to f- start to fall out of it here in the next few weeks. It's going to be, int- it's going to be a very interesting day. And I think the devils actually play that day too. Um, hang on. I March 3rd. Okay. I they, do believe they play that. They're day. actually at Vegas on March 3rd. Ha ha. Got it. So, Vegas. so they'll have, they'll have the afternoon trade deadline at 3 PM East coast time. I believe it is right. Um, which will be exciting. NHL Network will get some some pops on that day. Uh, I might take off work because I'm a degenerate, but other than that, <laughs> uh, 
I mean, look, if it's going to could be an exciting day for the Devils, I'm not going to be very productive as it is. So I just might as well take the day. It's just, it's, yeah, it's one of those things where I think the trade deadline just stresses me out because like last year, it was my first year as a media member going through it. And it was just, I was at my desk for, I don't even know how many hours. And he was just <laughs> constantly watching for updates to see what's going on, see what's happening. It's very refresh, stressful. refresh, refresh, yeah. refresh, refresh, swipe down, refresh. <laughs> I can't imagine being a player or like the family. Like I couldn't imagine being the wife and you're just waiting to see like where your husband's going to end up if he's going anywhere. Like that just has to be such a chaotic time. I'd like to think that it's, most of these things, especially with situations where it's like, you're on a bad team, you know, you're going to get moved. I'd like to think they're talking to you about some stuff where it's like, Hey, we're talking to X or, Hey, we're talking to Y or, you know, Hey, you, you know, this, this might happen. I don't know. You know, I'd like to think that when they can, it's handled in the most professional manner possible, but I wouldn't want to deal with that. Like just knowing you have to move, you know, it's, you got kids, you got to put them in a new school. Like mm -hmm. if you're a rental player, do you even move your family? That's a conversation you have too. If you're going to go play for, you know, uh, Boston for the next two months, do you even bother moving your kids into new schools or do they just stay where they're at? Like, I wouldn't want to do that. It does sound like it sucks a bit. And don't quote me on this, but I, and I think I say that like once an episode, don't quote me. That's my, that's my little <laughs> we should, like, we should have a little counter going. Yeah. Don't yell at me. But <laughs> I think when Zach Parisi first came to the Islanders, I don't think his family came with him. I remember seeing an interview where like the family would fly to like certain cities. If he had like a day off or anything like that to kind of like see the kids, but I don't think he actually moved them back here. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would think that that's probably more common, um, especially in a situation where you don't know if you're going to be somewhere long term. Although Zach's, you know, Zach's a blue guy. He'll be there forever. As long as he wants to play, blue will have I a mean, spot. Yeah, pretty much. He'll have a spot on that team if he wants to play. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's got to be a stressful time. It's got to be stressful for everybody. Um, I would think this is why you negotiate super hard for a no movement clause or a no trade clause or a limited list. Like if I'm a player and I'm signing a, a stupid big deal, I would take a little less money to have that security. That's just me. That's my personal opinion. If I was signing like an $8 million a year deal and by making it 7 million a year, I can control everything of where I could end up. Mm -hmm. That, that adds up. That's worth a million bucks a year to me. If I'm already making stupid money, of course, because I don't make that you're you're so funny <laughs> because the one thing that my husband always said is that if he was an athlete he would have taken a pay cut to avoid talking to the media and i was like really babe really like you would do that to me and he goes i would absolutely sacrifice money if i didn't have to go out and actually talk to anybody that's funny that's funny i would do the i would do like the jack hughes or the whatever just like just like yeah yeah it was a good game that's cool great uh-huh i would be that guy 100 percent. so one story I will share that was really funny was you learn pretty quickly when you're asking questions and interviewing players one-on-one, -on -one, you see the difference between the rookies and how they respond to you versus the veterans who have been around and know how the relationship works. And I interviewed a couple kids at development camp. And I remember I had my questions. They were all open-ended questions, but I didn't really get a lot back. 
because they were mm-hmm. just young you know you're still you're, everyone's just figuring it out and yeah. so at the beginning of this season I wanted to do a one-on-one with Brendan Smith and I knew of Brendan Smith but I didn't realize the extent of Brendan Smith and I had like my five like my couple questions I was like okay I'm gonna ask these and if I need anything extra for the article I'm gonna add in like these couple at the end I spent way too much time with him because you ask him a question and he just goes. He's a reporter's dream. He gives <laughs> you everything you need in like one one answer. He's fantastic. And I remember I was sitting there and I said, oh my God, I don't, like now I know. I don't, I don't need to ask you eight questions. I can ask you one. And yeah, I and get you're going to give him a And I'll be <laughs> And I think it's funny because I saw on Twitter, someone was complaining because they were like, I, they're like, oh, like media always talks to like Brendan Smith and Eric Hall, like on like the devil's website. And I was like, but they also give the best answers. Yeah. You're going to go where you're going to get what you need. Right. Okay. Like I would do the same thing. Yeah. You know, like a sit down interview would be one thing that I would have a lot of fun with, but mm-hmm. like if I just lost and people are coming in and asking me questions, I'm not going to fake it. <laughs> I'm going to be pissed off. Well, and you got to think too, these, they're all different ages. They're all different experience. They're all different personalities. And some people just don't, you know, some people are more outgoing than other people. Some people are more, oh, for sure. and more shy and that it all, it all kind of comes together, but it's just so funny. Cause even when I was in like the media room talking to other media members, like the names that pop up that are really great with the media, are like the Hen- Henrik Lundqvist, the Ryan O'Reilly, that's always the veterans that yeah. are just, easier because they know how they they know how it works does anybody have it down pat on how to answer your question well but just have but lead you nowhere Uh, i feel like that could be a useful skill for an athlete right like i'm gonna give you what you want but i'm absolutely not gonna like give you anything extra if that makes sense it is you learn I'm not going to say any names, but you learn. Yeah, you don't, I'm not, yeah, you don't have yeah, to use yeah, any, I'm not names, but say like, any names, but are there learn... a few that, that are, that are good at that and use it as a tactic? Uh, a tactic or just part of their personality? It might just be a personality thing. Yeah. Gotcha. It could, it could just be that. Um, I will say that all the guys are great. They really are. I have, and I think too, it's like a hockey thing. Because I have friends that work around the league. Hockey players are just genuinely, most of them are really great guys. Yeah. I've met a lot of hockey players over the years. And they're all super, super nice. They're Uh, so nice. I used to pour beers for uh, former New Jersey Devil Colin White uh, at a bar that I was working at. By the way, one of the nicest guys on the planet. But he's just this big, happy Canadian. Mm -hmm. And that's like most hockey players are like that. You know, they're just cool guys. Um, and I think part of that is, it, you know, unless you're playing in Canada, you're not going to get recognized generally. Like you can go about your day and do things like maybe Jack Hughes is going to get recognized at a bar in Hoboken. But like the majority of these guys can go to the grocery store, do the things and no one bothers them. If people see them, they're just like, oh, hey, how are you? Um, yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, even my husband was saying to me, he's like, when you see these guys and they're just in like a baseball cap and a t-shirt, they look like any other guy. And I said, they yeah. do. It's not like it's a basketball player or a football player where just their presence is so massive that you are like, oh, yes. somebody hockey players can blend in very easily. And yeah, I honestly can say I have not had a bad experience with a single player. They've all been so gracious with their time. They've been real. They're funny. Like I personally, like I actually love the dynamic of Eric Hall and Thomas Tatar together. Like I, like I've talked to both of them separately and the other one has been brought up in conversation and they're just hysterical going back and forth together. 
That's funny. I can see the two of them listening to like Euro trash techno on the on the plane and stuff like that. I do know that Tatar loves his EDM. Does he really? Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> I was just making a joke. I had no idea. Like Vanacek <laughs> is as as sweet as everyone thinks he is. Like just like you. It's funny because when you're in the room with them, you really do see them as human beings, and it just makes you root for their success. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. Like you uh, want them to I have can a see that. Game. Yeah, like and, you want, like you want, like you want to see Vanacek get the shutout. You want to see him get the win because he's just such a nice guy to deal with. And I feel yeah. like you root for happy, you root for good people in this world. Yeah, and there's a nice thing about hockey when you're young. Um, you know, it has this weird thing. It's almost like what the way soccer is now in the states. Like we're all we're all we're all hockey players first, and then it's like what team do you like, and then it delineates from there, right? Like. Yeah, hockey's always been a fairly good community in that way where it's like look we understand it's a bit of a niche sport not everybody understands it it's fast as shit yeah if you don't go to a game you have no idea what's happening um but it's one of those sports where if you go to a game and you see it live you're like oh my gosh this is wild i had yeah. no idea they were going so fast i had no idea how they're all moving together at the same time um you know it, it's it, it that's one of the great things about hockey is that most of the people involved are are generally pretty cool they're good people yeah they really are i haven't run, really run into any anybody that is i would deem problematic you ever talk to tony d'angelo that could change that you know, I heard he's a I'm bit actually, of an sob <laughs> i will tell you that um i do know a media member that I, we have talked about uh d'angelo and he said that he was great with him Really? was absolutely great for him. And I think too, a lot of it, and I talked to my one friend about this who works over with the Coyotes, is a lot of it is just reading the room too. Like I personally, for me, I like talking to the players off camera more than on camera. I like sitting down and having that kind of, that one-on-one -on -one interaction. Whereas like for like the media scrum, you kind of go in, there's a bunch of people there, you ask your question and then you kind of move on to another the next player and there's not really that like personal like that personal like you know thank you for your time like I'm more I'm, I like that I like building that kind of relationship so I definitely prefer the off-camera um chats way more yeah that's cool I could see I could see that being more useful than like you know yeah good good strong game along the boards you know it's really glad we got the W today uh you know everybody very pulled their weight you know it's a good team win yeah. Right. Is that yeah. I give you a good stock answer? It's like which cliche is your favorite? I actually do want to ask when next time I go to practice, I want to ask them what their favorite hockey cliche is to say. That's a great idea. That could be a Perfect. fun little like Instagram video for you. Well, and I think too, like you know, in this world where there is social media, it's always fun to kind of see their personality a little bit, and like Twitter is a great way of doing that. Like to ask those like ridiculous questions that you can't use in an article, but fans would just kind of enjoy it. I mean, the player might look at me and be like, really, why are you asking me this? But, you know. Yeah, you could do all sorts of fun stuff like that. Like superior Definitely. breakfast meat, all sorts of fun, fun, jokey things. Yeah, I mean, Eric Hall had a good time when I asked him which part, which one of his teammates would do the best on Dancing with the Stars. So <laughs> that, was a, that was a fun conversation. And when I, when I, when he didn't know the answer, I was like, oh, would it be you? And he looks at me and he goes, oh, he's like, I'm not a star. And I just laughed. I was like, oh, you're great. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. And then finally, he actually did say Tatar. Tatar was his answer. Um, but these episodes go by so fast, man. They do. It, they go by so fast. It's um, very quick. 
but we will be back next week. We're probably going to have another Timo Meyer update because I think this is just going to be life until the deadline or until somebody flames him. So. Yeah, we'll give you your weekly uh, Timo Meyer update where we all stand in this whole situation. Um, I'll be at a couple of games coming up. That'll be fun. I think I'm oh, going to exactly. be at the, the Monday, February 6th game and then the Sunday, the 19th game. So if anybody wants to hang out and have a beer at the arena, hit me up on Twitter. Come say hi. We are yeah. always, we're always loving when people come say hi to us. Oh, but heck yeah. That is it for tonight, and we will see you guys next week. See you guys.